0: Welcome into the Yotsin Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Parame, Eric Scopel on the show. And we've got an emergency podcast because the Oregon Ducks have gone out and landed a verbal commitment, their highest rated commit of the 2022 recruiting class for football at this time. And he also happens to be, An in-state player, which is always pretty cool when Oregon can land a guy from within their state because it doesn't happen very often because they don't offer a lot of guys within their state. And they've done that. They've landed a verbal commitment from four-star safety, Trey John Williams out of Jefferson High School in the Portland, Oregon area. Six-foot, 200-pound player. The 211th best prospect in the country according to 24/7 Sports composite rankings, the 11th best safety prospect in the country, the second best player in the state of Oregon. 24/7 Sports, our own individual rankings are a little bit higher than the industry average. Uh, 24/7 Sports ranks him as the 137th best player in the country, the ninth best safety, and also the second best player in the state of Oregon. Um, Eric, that's a considerably big gap, 211 to 137. Really talented player, Oregon's second safety in this recruiting class now. And I don't know if if it's fair, Eric, to say like, hey, this is a guy you absolutely had to get. But this was a big deal because he's an in-state guy that everyone in the country wanted. And while you could maybe find someone comparable, you don't like seeing talent leave the state and Oregon locked that up, which is pretty good.
1: Yeah, for as much as we talk about Oregon as a national brand, obviously successes in California, starting to see it in the Northeast and the Southwest as well with some of the connections on staff, you, you have to lock up your home state. And, it's, and as you say, it's not often Oregon has the state of Oregon has this many big time recruits in it. I mean, you look at the two, four, seven sports composite rankings for the state. Um, and there are four, four star recruits in it. And a fifth guy with an Oregon offer. I mean, Oregon could in theory take up to five guys from their home state. Um, and you would not want to see, I don't, I think, I think if Oregon wants these guys, they're going to, they're going to grab, you know, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll take them. So like, and, and Trey John was, was a prospect to, I know we've talked about him on the podcast and those listening are probably somewhat familiar, but, there was some uncertainty about how this recruitment was going to play out. It was kind of a strange deal um, because Don Johnson was formerly his head coach at Jefferson and then was hired at Oregon as an on you know an off the field role, a non-recruiting role. And so there's there were rules and or guidelines in place at least that restricted the contact, the ability to recruit Trey John until that was, I think, lifted, what, about a month and a half ago, maybe a couple month ago?
0: Yeah. All a the- couple months ago, the NCAA yeah. gave the uh, requirement that Prospects needed to be two years removed from being coached by someone on staff. If they're not an on-field coach and um, Don Johnson is not an on-field coach. He's the director of player personnel. Um, He is in the recruiting department. He's one of the the top guys there. And so to prevent schools from, you know, like USC or or Alabama or, or it doesn't really matter Oregon since, you know, going to all the top high schools in the country and just hiring, you know, their recruiting coordinator at the high school level, or the head coach at the high school level, or whoever is influential in that high, particular high school program's football staff, and just hiring all those guys to, you know, be analysts and not coach on the field. And then they get instant access to all these recruits. That was a waiver that was kind of set up. And the NCAA kind of made some changes to it and it opened the door for Trey John to commit to Oregon and get offered by Oregon. Uh, considerably earlier in the timeline. It was going to be a case where if that waiver wasn't wasn't executed, um, Oregon would have had to have offered in December of 2021 with like a couple weeks before signing day. And, and honestly, it would have been difficult to get him. He probably wouldn't have waited that long on Oregon, but the offer comes now and he bounced on it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 I so I spoke with him and I'm trying to, remember exactly when it would have been maybe october november there was a uh, camp in springfield and i went over and trey john was one of the top players there keith brown was there um I had a couple of younger players don johnson's son i spoke with him but I, i'm speaking with trey john it's pretty clear to me that like if oregon was able to recruit him fully that was where he was going to go um and i don't think it took anybody by so i don't think this recruitment takes anybody by surprise once the offer was official once that waiver was clear that, that Matt just broke down. It was pretty evident that Oregon was where he was going to go. And like I think this is this is a really significant recruitment here for Oregon. I think you know, this is not only is he a highly regarded kid in state, but he is nationally too, as Matt said. And I think, you know, when when you can go out and perhaps sign close to a quarter of your kids from your in state, that's not something Oregon, that's not a luxury Oregon's hat. Um, and that, that is a luxury that you look at the big schools across the country are having every year. And like I stated, like the Texas Longhorns, they, they, I bet you they take almost every kid from their own backyard. The state of Georgia does that. Um, or I should say the Georgia Bulldogs do that. USC does that. Um, Washington to even a greater extent than Oregon typically will sign, you know, five to eight kids from their backyard. The state of Oregon does not typically produce this sort of talent. So for Oregon to get, Already two verbal commitments from their own home state. Both are four-star prospects. They have a couple other four-stars in the state. Um, a fifth kid who's currently a three-star, but who Oregon and, and a lot of the schools out west are really high in, high on um, in Andrew Savania. Uh This is significant in terms of building this class, and I think it just cements. And if they if they go five for five in their own home state, it's going to go a long way in making this a really highly regarded recruiting class. None of them are the five-star kids, but. Um, both Williams and Darius Clemens, the top kid in the state are both, you know, top 247 recruits that, you know, and, and kids that are, yeah, are players that schools across the country would undoubtedly love to have in their class. And I think Oregon has a real leg up this class. This is a cycle where they can actually get some of that work done in state rather than having to go to California, the Southwest, the Northeast, wherever it is that they're, that, that they would go otherwise to, to land a player of his caliber.
0: Yeah. Being able to, look, Oregon wants to recruit at a national level. They want to be able to go out and land the best players in the country. And so they are going to spend a lot of time going across the country recruiting. And it's easier to land elite classes at a national level when you know you can build a base, uh, a foundation, if you will, of your recruiting class locally, where you don't have to go Uh, very far to see them in a normal time when the recruiting restrictions are lifted, like they aren't right now. um, And you can go out and make visits like Oregon could spend a day and maybe see two players traveling and two elite players or three players. And then, you know, but if, if there's some guys in the local area, whether it's Portland, Eugene, Southern Oregon, even Vancouver, Washington, even yeah. Seattle, um, you can go out and you can hit Eugene early in the morning. Then you can get up to Portland in the afternoon, and then you can get up to the Vancouver area in mid-afternoon, and then get up to Seattle in the evening, and then get back down to Southern Oregon for a night you know night trip. And you can see a whole bunch of prospects. And so if, if you're able to, to have – if there's some guys in your region – that are good enough to play at your school, which is Oregon, and there are this year. That's huge because in one day you you could you know go and see a third of your class, and then devote the rest of the time traveling the country to going after the big fish, and not feel like wow are we really wasting? Uh, not wasting isn't the right word, but are we are we really going to use one or two days to go right. and see six guys where? You know, and, and across the country, 3,000 miles away, and we might only get one of them. Is that the best usage of our time? If you don't have that in-state connection or that Pacific Northwest fa- foundation of a class, it's probably not worth it. But this opens up the door now where Oregon could could have a good chunk of this class come from the Pacific Northwest, and that's huge. I mean, they're still going to recruit nationally and 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 they're going to try and sign the best players in the country. And Trajan Williams is one of those guys, but this is just another domino effect of, of a positive impact of being able to go out and land uh, a huge prospect at a position of need in a local area, which will, you know, help you down the road, spending more time across the country, because you you, you can go and see multiple guys in your region really quickly. Um, we'll talk about more, you know, the Oregon impact, in state from a recruiting standpoint later on in the show, but Trey, John, let's focus on him first. Yeah. Uh, His verbal commitment comes in the Oregon ducks. Uh, they beat out programs like UCLA, Washington state, Arizona, Arizona state, Oregon state, USC, Utah, Washington. Um, these schools have all offered Arizona state. Another one that has offered most of the pac 12 has offered. And I do think, um, Penn State from the Big from the Big Ten also offered a scholarship. Um, I do think though that his his offer list would be considerably higher if he wasn't from the state of Oregon because uh, you said it earlier. Basically, when Oregon offers an in-state guy, most people expect that guy to go to Oregon because it's it's very rare and yeah. you know the, the pull within the state is pretty strong to get Oregon. Uh, for Oregon to to get their in-state prospects. So I think if this is a guy that's playing California or in Washington or in Idaho and doesn't have this connection to Oregon because of the Don Johnson factor, his offer list is probably significantly higher. Uh, A lot of schools, probably in the Big 12, the Big 10, um, the ACC, the SEC, were probably hesitant to offer because, hey, his high school coach is out of Oregon now. Oregon can now offer him a scholarship. It's probably going to go to Oregon. Why even try and get in here? So he's got 18 verbal offers, um, but I, I think he's probably probably in that 30 range. If if he doesn't have the connections to Oregon that he has, that's the type of player that he is. Um, you've done a film review. What what can we expect from Trey John Williams on the field when he gets to Oregon?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to draw a comparison to current like a current Oregon safety or a recent safety. I think it's he's like maybe a little bit like Eric Dargan, okay. In terms of That'd be size, really
0: good. If you, if he
1: would <laughs> be through. really really good. Um, I'm I'm just talking like upside and kind of stylistically. I'm not saying he's going to become Eric Dargan, and and maybe he will. I mean, Dargan was a player who was kind of slow in terms of developing on the field. and was really great his junior and senior year, but didn't. I don't think was a full time starter until then. Um, but I look at Williams and think like he is. Not huge. He's six feet tall, so he's—you uh, would say that's about average, maybe that's an inch or two below average for the position. Um, but really athletic, and makes up for some of that lack of height in coverage with his athleticism. You, know, you go watch his film review. The very first play is—you know—the the quarterback tries to throw uh, like a fade route to the corner of the end zone, and Trey basically runs the route and intercepts it over his shoulder. Basically, high points the ball over him. That's the kind of athleticism you see. You see, I think, a lot of impressive, you know, quick, titch, quick twitch change of direction um, from Trey John as well throughout the tape, both on both sides of the football and then also on special teams. These guys are pretty dynamic return man, and I think that's one of the things you'd love to see for a, a defensive back, for a safety. You know, we, they're going to have opportunities to make plays, to intercept passes. Think about what Javon Holland has been able to do. Verone McKinley have been able to do the last couple of years. Ugo Amadi, guys who – you know, are in the back end there, make a lot of plays. And when they have the football, they then transition to being really dynamic with the ball in their hands. Trey John's one of those guys. And so like, I I look at him and think he might be similar to Javon Holland, somebody who you see eventually, I'm not saying right away, but like who makes some sort of a role as a return guy, whether it be as a punt return, kickoff return guy. I don't know if he has like that top end four, four speed, which maybe means he'd be better off as a punt returner, but he certainly is really good in space. He's athletic. Um, played high school basketball, or I might probably think he probably still does at Jefferson. Um, just a really top end athlete for for Oregon, and um, I, I he's recruited to play safety. It's pretty clear that's where he's going to play. I remember speaking with him again last fall. That's what he said. Um, but I, I do look at him and think there's maybe a little versatility to be somebody who could who could play that nickel spot, depending upon right. what exactly that is in Tim Druder's defense. Um, you know, if, if if that's you know, I because I, I just think he's got the coverage ability. He's got the athleticism to cover space and and he is not afraid to kind of mix it up and, and, and lay the, the smack down on somebody, in, you know, in space too. So, and that's all based on sophomore tape too. We should know, you know, and and
0: <laughs> his junior season is actually going on right now.
1: I was just going to say, and you can go and actually check out on huddle. He, as of the last couple of weeks has been updating or he, whoever runs his huddle account has been updating with junior film and that stuff's just as impressive, impressive, if not more. So certainly if you want to do a little deep dive into his game, it's kind of incomplete, in terms of the huddle video because you don't have a full junior tape, but he's got a minute or two for for a couple of games that have taken place recently. I think it's worth your time to go check that out, as well as reading the film review on duckterritory.com. I I think you'll be excited by this prospect, and I I think big picture, he's probably not going to be the number one rated or top rated recruit organ signs in this class. I think it would be a disappointment if he's, quote-unquote, the headliner, but I think he's going to, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we look back, you know, five years from 2022, so 2027, we're like, you know a, a long way from now matt and Eric in our 40s by this point I, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back and think he was one of the, the crown jewels of the class because i just think he's a really hard-working kid who plays a position where and I, i'm thinking about like big picture with safety or even nickel um by the time he steps onto campus in 2022 there should be some playing time kind of available right away depending on how things plays out because a lot of these guys like ron mckinley and jamal hill they, they might both go a year early um you look at Bennett Williams and Jordan Happel, they're both basically done with eligibility. Steve Stevens is kind of in a similar spot. It's a safety position and a nickel. Those are spots that are pretty veteran on the team. And I think a guy like Trey John, and, and there's obviously some younger players waiting the rings, the wings, have, will have a shot to play pretty early. And I could be, see him being somebody who maybe he's not starting in 2022, but by 2023, he's, he's a really big part of this defense.
0: Yeah, safety was certainly a need in this class. They've already got another verbal commitment from Landon Hullaby, a four-star safety as well, from the Texas area. Um, I shouldn't say Texas area. He's in Texas. He's from the Dallas area. Um, you add Rome. You mentioned Rome McKinley will be a sophomore in 2021. Will be a junior in 2022. Um, McKinley, it'll
1: also be like, it'll be like a fifth-year junior, by the way. Yeah, a fifth-year <laughs> it's junior
0: like- could could go pro it wouldn't surprise me one bit like you said if if he does leave um they have a couple guys waiting in the wings jeffrey bossa will be a true freshman in 2021 uh damon david will be another freshman in 2021 this coming fall um jj greenfield will be a second year true freshman he's a safety slash corner for the ducks and then jalen davies is a is a freshman in 2021 that's a corner, but also has the ability to play safety if Oregon really wants. Um, And then you also look at TriQuest Bridges, who will be a third-year redshirt freshman going into the 2021 football season. He also has the ability to play corner or safety. But honestly, like, you're you're right. Like, he's going to step on foot on campus, and there will be a huge opportunity for playing time, whether that's as a starter Uh, or that's as one of Oregon's key reserves off the bench. Nonetheless, he will have an opportunity to start for the Ducks uh, or play for the Ducks right away as a true freshman. I think that's kind of the expectation when you're recruiting at Oregon now is the guys that you sign, they may not be players who show up day one and are for sure starting, um, but there are also guys that when they show up hey, the expectation is, is you try and compete for some kind of a role as a true freshman. doesn't mean you have to have that. It's just that's the expectation. We think you're good enough to show up right away and maybe play, and it's going to depend upon how quickly you adjust and adapt. Um, we'll see what happens uh, there when he gets here. Um, now, what happens next for Oregon Um two verbal commitments in this class, a lower number than normal um, overall scholarships available uh, at the, you know, so they have two safety commits. It's going to be a, a, from a a grand scheme of things, you know, seeing Oregon sign 25 is going to be pretty hard. Um, I got to imagine they're done now at the safety spot. Like, unless Eric, is there really a justification you think of looking at the depth and the long-term prospects of finding a third guy. I, I can't find one.
1: Yeah. I think it's tough to think, to think they'll take a third. I mean, safety is already a position where it kind of feels like you take two and maybe, maybe this isn't totally fair, but you take one who can play your boundary and one who can play your field. So you got a guy who's kind of more athletic and maybe more of a ball hawk you got a guy who's maybe better around the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think but the two guys that Oregon's got right now, I think Hullaby probably fits the, you know, the around the line of scrimmage a little bit better than, than Williams does, but we'll see in terms of development. Um, be right. I mean, I look at this and think like it's not the craziest thing in the world to think they could take a third guy if there's somebody who's really good who presents himself and says, "Hey, I want to come to Oregon." Like if there's a borderline five star kid who wants to do that, sure, you'll take him. But like, I don't think there's really a built-in need now at that spot. Assuming both those, both Hullaby and and uh, and Williams, I guess, project to play safety, which I think they do. I mean, that's pretty clearly where they play in high school. It's pretty clearly. You know, Trey Trey Johnson. That's where he's being recruited by every school. When I spoke with him, so like I, it's pretty clear that's where those guys are going to play. So yeah, I, I think they're probably done at safety, which is kind of wild to say this early on in the cycle. You um, know, seven verbal commitments right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what the fallout is with. However, I mean, I, I guess if they have like an assurance from Hill or McKinley that like we're both going to stay or we're both going to go pro, which is probably something you don't get this far in advance. I'm talking yeah. about an assurance two years, you know, basically a full, you know, a full year and a half before th- these guys are going to step on campus. I just don't see that happening. So I think two makes a lot of sense. And I guess may- may- maybe a third, you know, numbers are tight though. Like you said, Matt, it's so, like a third would have to be just like, Really good, Ridiculous. It's almost like a player.
0: five-star caliber guy.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like you know you save but you save a scholarship or two every cycle. Oregon's still doing this right now with JTT, but you save one for just like these elite guys. I got you know if if an elite dude just steps up and says hey like yeah sign me up I want to go to Oregon you have a spot a spot for him. But I think barring that taking place, I think you can kind of assume barring that taking place or one of these players decommitting, which again I don't think we think is likely, especially with Trejon. Um, I think you're probably done at safety in 2022.
0: John Williams is committed to playing in the 2022 All-American Bowl. That's, if you're not familiar with that name, that's formerly the U.S. Army All-American Bowl game. It's the premier high school all-star game in the country. Uh, Oregon is continuing to increase the number of participants that they will have in that game year over year. Um, Really good deal there for the Ducks to land. Yet again, another really talented player. Now, let's shift gears a little bit towards um, the Oregon in-state class of 2022. Um, The top prospect in the state is Darius Clemens, a a wide receiver four-star player from Westview High School uh, in the Portland, Oregon area. Trey John Williams is the second-best player in this class from uh, Jefferson He's committed to the Ducks. Lamar Washington is Trey John Williams' high school teammate. He is a six foot four outside linebacker, four star prospect. Oregon has not offered Lamar yet. Um, We'll see what happens. Maybe some scholarship offers go out and he gets one. Um, I think that is kind of telling, though. Right now, Um, he is also a standout basketball player
1: and ridiculously good, ridiculous athlete.
0: There, there is some you know, thought that he maybe is going to play basketball over football, but we'll see what happens there. Um, four-star outside linebacker, Amarion Winston, the third Winston brother to come through Central Catholic High School. He is committed to the Ducks. And then uh, you mentioned Andrew Saviani uh, from Dallas High School, or from the Dales High School in, in Dales, Oregon. He has an offer from the Ducks as well. Um Miles Williams is a three-star from Clackamas. He, he does not have uh, a scholarship offer from, from the Ducks right now. A um, couple other three-star guys of note to, to maybe keep eyes on. Aaron Jones is an athlete from Westview. Uh, Keenan Spear Johnson is Don Johnson's son. Um, he is a receiver out of Tigard, uh, and that's probably – Right now, the list. Uh, Jacob Newell is a tight end from Thurston in the Springfield, Oregon area. Um, Grows up a big Duck fan. We'll see if Oregon gives him a scholarship offer. Newell has seen some recent Pac-12 schools throw their mix in. Um, I think Arizona, uh, I think Oregon State has also offered Newell. Um, I can't remember if Cal has or not, but he's starting to blow up a little bit. And he's another one, much like John where – if Oregon ends up deciding to offer him a scholarship, will be a pretty big surprise if he does not land with the Ducks. Um, but that—that'll be another also guy
1: of, also of note with Newell. His dad was my uh, middle school PE teacher, so um, some 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 real connections there with the, <laughs> with the family. Just and that's an actually legitimately, his his dad uh, was was my. I think his dad might coach at Thurston still, but he does. His, I still recall his dad uh, playing some dodgeball. That guy was intense. But uh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not surprised his son is a heck of an athlete and probably also a pretty intense person. Because man, uh, his dad came in with the old like Marine Army cut and uh, and really really knew how to make sure the discipline was at at a, at eleven with all with all of our twelve year old selves. So
0: <laughs>
1: now, what's
0: interesting though is, is this class has two guys already in the state of Oregon committed. Um, In 2021, Oregon had just one player from the state of Oregon signed with the Ducks. They did not have any in the 2020 class. The 2019 class, they had just one. The 2018 class, they had two. The 2017 class, they had two. And the 2016 class had four. And that features Lamar Winston, Brady Breeze, Cam McCormick and also someone named Justin Herbert.
1: Um, it's pretty think, wild. that It's pretty wild that Cam McCormick was in that class and he might be teammates with some of the guys on this coming <laughs> <in the> 2022 <laughs> class. That's very true. Uh,
0: that is very true. I think this is probably though the, the class that's got the best chance to maybe meet that number of four or maybe exceed it with five in state verbal commitments.
1: Yeah, I, it's kind of getting that feel that way. I mean, I, I feel like it'll be interesting to see what happens with Washington. I remember watching his high school tape and being like, he might be the most talented guy in the state just because athletically he is really, really impressive. And again, you you go watch his high school basketball tapes at Jefferson, too, and it's the same thing. So, like, I look at him and think m- maybe it's a question of, I like, guess, Matt suggested of, like, where's his heart from? Is he going to be? a basketball player is he gonna be a football player if there's some uncertainty and and you know who would know if there is some uncertainty of that would be someone like don johnson who's about as connected as possible with these kids from well really most of these kids from like the pil but especially from jefferson um he, he he's got a really good feel on that and so maybe there's a sense that washington is just his heart's not with football and and and, and this is me you know this is suggest this is i'm not i'm not reporting this this is like hypothetical here but like if, if that's the case that makes sense to why they haven't You know, gone all in and and offered him because he is a really talented kid. Clemens is somebody who Oregon will have to fight for, I think, a little bit more than the other ones in state. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. He grew up in like the Midwest, right, in like Detroit or something. Clemens.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. I I think I I don't know if it's Detroit or it's Michigan or Ohio. One of the two. That those are the two. One of the two states that he's from. I can't. It's escaping me off the top of my head, but. Yeah, he has serious Midwestern ties.
1: And so so you kind of wonder how that might factor into things. And I, 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 I'm I, really, and I know we talked about this when he got an offer, gosh, maybe a little less than a month ago, but Andrew Savania, Sav- yeah. boy, our Polynesian pronunciations are terrible. We need to get a key for this. That should be part of, by the way, 247 Sports, like our our tech people that can we, can we get like some sort of pronunciation tool on, on the <laughs> site? That would be really helpful for us doing podcasts and for those list, for those listening who are now going to be completely confused by Matt and I pronouncing his name like six different ways, but I find him really intriguing, like six three two seventy five, Um, organs offered. I, I feel really confidently that if, if, or if that offer ends up being committable, which we have no reason to believe it's not um, that, that he ends up at Oregon. So like, I feel like you got three for pretty much for sure. As long as they hold out on, you know, as long as they stay, with Andrew. And then the, 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 fourth one is, can they keep Clemens in state? And there's certainly some crystal ball movement suggesting that'll be the case. If they get to five, it's probably Lamar Washington. I would think um, unless they do look or at Newell. or Newell. Yeah. Maybe Newell continues to rise up the charts. That's in a, a, tight end is a position where, Hey, they could, they definitely need to take a player or two at that spot. Um, and obviously that's the same case case at wide receiver or at linebacker with, with Clemens or Washington, but, Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's just exciting. I think like, and, and I think those listening would agree with this. If you're from the state of Oregon and you grew up in Oregon, whether it be in Eugene, Portland, Eastern part of the state, Southern part of the state, wherever there's a certain tie to a kid who grew up in that state. You always root for those kids a little more. I don't think it's by mistake that a guy like Justin Herbert was so beloved by those in Eugene, considering they, a lot of them were able to watch him play football um at Sheldon and I I, you know I'm I'm obviously we're hopeful and expecting that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to watch some of these in-state 2022 kids before they get to Oregon and I think that's just going to enhance the excitement around it and and again if you can if you can sign about a quarter of your class from your own home state you know you know that's huge you know obviously other parts of the country other schools around the country like I said earlier They've had that luxury every year and they take more yeah. than that. They take 50%, 60%, 70% of their kids are in state. Sometimes it's more than that. Like I remember looking at the uh, North Carolina's verbal commitment list. It was like basically every kid in their entire class was from their home state. Oregon doesn't usually have that opportunity, but if they can go out and if they get four or five kids from the state, that's huge. And that's huge, I think, as well, just from it's, it's it also speaks to, I think, and we need a state like the, the state is at least pumping out better talent right now. Um, than they have in the past couple of years. And and hopefully that's a trend that continues um, past 2022.
0: It's going to be interesting to see play out here uh, for Oregon within the state for recruiting because, like Eric said, there's a couple of guys that I think are pretty much boxed to go to Oregon, a couple of guys that are leaning towards Oregon, and then we'll see if maybe one or two scholarship offers go out to some players in state and what that can do for the recruiting class. And and that's the thing here. I I think that you really look at when I'm looking at these in-state guys for this recruiting class. And that's, yeah, Oregon has offered these players, but it's not like they're just token scholarship offers. Like Darius Clemens is a dude. He's got guys, he's got schools from all over the country coming after him. John is the same deal. Amarion Winston committed to Oregon so early in the process that his scholarship offer numbers are, are almost nothing because everyone knows, hey, his older brother went to Oregon. He's from the state of Oregon. He's committed early to Oregon. Why even bother? Uh, but he's another one that would have a huge list of offers. Um, and then Savi- Savinia, uh, Andrew, from the Dows, I mean, you look at his offer list, and it, it's not like Oregon and Idaho and eastern Washington are his offers. No, know, he's got uh, a Cal offer. He's got a UCLA offer. Oregon State and Washington State have also offered. Nevada, USC, Washington, and Wisconsin are all kind of uh, looking at him right now and making evaluations. So, you know, Oregon, this 2022 recruiting class in the state of Oregon is pretty deep from a normal year to year basis. And that's going to play huge dividends for Oregon if they can capitalize and sign a couple more of these guys, because like we said earlier, they, they're going to be able to go out and, and spend more time recruiting players across the country because it doesn't take much time to recruit in state guys. And it doesn't mean they're less important. It's just sheer time that, that it takes to get there uh, is considerably quicker uh, than going across the country. Now, what's next for the Ducks? Um, we'll see what happens. Who could be the next player to commit to Oregon? I do wonder at the receiver position, uh, maybe it's Obias Merriweather, who's just across the the river, um, the Willamette River in Vancouver. Uh, He's actually from Camas, Washington, but that's a outskirts of the Vancouver area, four-star receiver. Maybe he uh, is getting closer to making a verbal commitment. I also wonder about Clemens. Um, from from Oregon. Does does Oregon find a way to get in there as well and and get a a verbal commitment there? Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens next, who commits next to the Ducks. They're in on a lot of guys, and it sounds like, Eric, that uh, don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but we'll end it here. It's starting to look like the recruiting dead period is going to get lifted. Official visits are starting to kind of mm-hmm. get penciled in. They're not in paper and pen yet, but they're in pencil. Guys are saying that, you know, they're coming out to Oregon on certain dates. And it's looking like that first week in June where it it, you know, Oregon's gonna have a whole bunch of guys on campus um, visiting Oregon for official visits. And we we could see a big rush of verbal commitments here probably in the next two, two and a half months for, for Oregon.
1: Uh, You know, and thank God for that. You know, just, I mean, it's awesome that recruiting is, you know, I think in general, we don't want to go down too too much rabbit holes, but like you're starting to see somewhat of a return to normalcy with, uh, in a lot of ways with more people being vaccinated. It seems like the case numbers with COVID are going down and it's a huge relief. I think obviously for us that follow and cover recruiting to see this happen, but for the recruits themselves, I mean, I I feel so bad for players in 2021 who, never got to visit the school they signed with and they literally are going to enroll in campus and that might be one of the first times that they've been on campus or at least seen certain parts of the school or met with the coaches face-to-face for an extended period of time. Um, It's really exciting to see the you know the the concept for 2022 players to be able to get that to not miss out on the ability to check out campuses to, to you know have an actual recruitment that's such a huge part of this and you you talk with recruits, they, they love those official visits. Those are awesome. That's a big part of the recruiting process. And so I, yeah, I'm hopeful that the trend we're seeing that it falls, you know, there's a follow-through and that, that they are able to get to Eugene because that's going to be really beneficial both for the recruits to make decisions, but also for Oregon. And because that's kind of been the old adage is if Oregon can get them on campus, they got a shot and they have not been able to have anybody on campus for now over a year, which is crazy to say, at least officially. Um, and let's hope that they have some success with with whatever transpires here in the next month or two.
0: Oregon's recruiting class with seven verbal commitments is ranked 21st in the country, second in Pac-12, and they have an average rating right now of .9047. Um, Still fairly confident, Eric, that we're going to see Oregon's recruiting class wrap up with top 15, top 10 number. I think Yeah. the only thing that absolutely, uh, I think the only thing for me that holds me back on saying for, you know, almost automatic is just sheer size. Like we, we really don't know how many guys Oregon can sign in this recruiting class. Like you look at, you look at the depth chart, and you see who's available and who is a senior or who's, you know, a super senior on this recruiting class. And there's not very many seniors on, on, this, on this class. They've, they've got nine scholarship seniors, Jordan Happel, Samson New, uh, Drew Mathis, uh, George Moore, Cam McCormick, Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson, Anthony Brown, and Nate uh, Hakualani. Uh, inside linebacker who was put on scholarship. Um, You also have a couple like fifth year juniors now, or, you know, fifth year or, or fourth year juniors in CJ Verdell, Travis Dye, DJ Johnson, Ryan Walk, um, Malasala Amave Lalu, Alex Forsyth, TJ Bass, Popo Amave. I mean, really they, they probably have 20 guys, I think, who are, Pretty confident in saying, like, "Hey, this might be their last year, or definitively, this is going to be their last year." But do they want to use, you know, all twenty of those scholarships, knowing that you know they've only got about you know ten guys in the junior class, and you know, it's going the the scholarship numbers are going to be very tricky to maneuver here. And I think that's ultimately what's going to decide how good this class is. Is Does Oregon try and go for the full 25 in 2022 and know that in 2023 they may only have five scholarships to to be able to give out or six scholarships to be able to give out? Um, Or do they maybe try and carry over a couple? Um, Do we see some early departures from guys going pro or transferring out? I think a lot of those questions we don't know the answers to yet, and that's going to really impact how many guys come and go.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. There's a lot of questions we don't have answered, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Does this feel like, again, like it's got like, it's about as unknown as there has been a cycle just in terms of the numbers that there's ever been. And I think even Cristobal has said as such. So um, it's going to be quite interesting to track. That's for sure.
0: It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Continue to do Follow us on uh, whatever platform you use. Uh, You click the subscribe or follow button, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever you have. Also, please um, give us a review. That helps a ton as well. So until we talk to you Monday, I'm guessing, unless another verbal commitment comes between then, you've been listening to the and Audible's podcast.
1: Talk to you later, folks.